Testing, testing. Still way too loud. Can you get Jamie? Can you please come get Ellie? Okay, let's try this again. You're listening to the Neurodivergent Nurse, and I'm your host, Jamie. I'm a registered nurse who has ADHD. On this podcast, we will talk all things ADHD. I'm really just beginning to learn about this diagnosis and how to navigate through it, but I am so excited to take you on this messy and raw journey with me so that we can learn together. So let's get started. What is up, my neurodivergent people? Finals are over. Part of the big reason why there was not a podcast episode last week. While the next episode, which is today, is an interview with Sam Led. Last week it didn't get put out because I'm still a one-girl show over here. And editing, especially editing interviews, takes so much time. The big thing that consumed majority of my time last week was the fact that I had finals. You know, if you have ADHD or neurodivergency, that so often we think that we have enough time to do all the things. And turns out, we really don't. Even if we are not having issues with our executive functioning, sometimes the time that we perceive that we have available to do certain tasks and the amount of time that it will take to do said tasks, it is not true. It is not real. And that was last week on top of studying for finals and test and having to go drop my little pups off with my mom and dad. I'm trying very hard to get all of this stuff out to you on a weekly schedule, but life does happen. But I did end up with an A in physics, so it all worked out pretty well. Also, before we jump into the second part of the interview that I had with Sam Led, I just want to say that I hope that you, during this holiday season, that you are taking care of your mental health. ADHD is really, really tough in general. And it's on steroids, I feel like, when it comes to Christmas time, this holiday season specifically. I just want you to know, while you are thinking of other people, make sure you take the time to think of yourself as well. And just remember, while there are a lot of pressures that are put on you and expectations, your mental health is valuable. You are valuable and you have to listen to me you have to make sure that while you're trying to please everyone else that you take care of you there's only one of you i need to talk to you about the two newest members of the patreon i have this amazing woman share Ren, who joined the patreon i've talked to her for a bit she is really incredible and a great 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 supporter of the podcast. The other one is Dr. Sindel Krishnan. He is an amazing supporter of all things that are human rights and supporting the marginalized communities. And he does so much work, not just in his organization, but he does so much work in his community to make the world a better place and to make understanding for the differences that we all have as just being individuals more common. He is a big mental health advocate. He is a big BLM advocate. We have actually gone and protested together for women's rights. He is a front runner to support marginalized communities and figuring out ways in healthcare how to make it easier 
for the people who it has been difficult for for decades now, centuries even. I'm honored to have him as a supporter of the Neurodivergent Nurse. This week's episode, as I said earlier, is a part two from two weeks ago episode with the host of the podcast, The Fearless Now with Sam Led. Slow down, crazy child. It's like that Billy Joel song, you know, Vienna. And it's okay. Like, you know what the interesting thing is about um, being a neurodiverse person is that self-introspection once we kind of see it. Because because we think differently, because we synapse at a different rate than, than a lot of people, we then can see like, okay, I see things how they're working, but it's not exactly truth but I don't have to be afraid of my ADHD experience all the time. I don't have to be afraid of my anxiety all the time. And I think all those years being a little kid and a a teenager, being afraid of, of academics, being afraid of teachers really taught me that there's nothing to be afraid of. You know, the brain creates the problems and solves the problem at the same time. Right. It's so crazy. And and my book kind of points to that because what happened to me 20 years ago, that was pretty traumatic. People say, well, that's your ADHD. That's why it happened. No, it's no bad luck timing, maybe a little bit of ADHD. But once I see that, that I do have some agency over a thought and thinking what's going through my mind and that we are not our thinking that it's an energy source moving through us. And, you know, when I sometimes get really panicky and anxious for no reason, like I sometimes, you know, sometimes I would get panic attacks driving on the freeway and it's really not great when you're on the 405. I don't know if you've been to California, but the 405 freeway and yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a special torture sometimes. <laughs> uh, my having a panic attack on a freeway going 70 miles an hour and thinking that I'm going to die, mm-hmm. which happened to me a couple of times because my brain was going so fast. And then all of a sudden for no reason, not the screaming crazy ADHD brain that was going crazy. This inner voice said, you know, Sam, I think it's time to pull over. So I found, I, I remember it was like automatic, right? I pulled over, put the car in park, had my hissy fit, you know, drank some water, called my girlfriend, you know, completely like lost my shit, waited about 10 minutes, knowing that I'm going to be okay. That we're all going to be okay. My thinking settled like it always does, like all of you always do. If you let it settle. You don't need to do a mantra. You don't need to, if you like affirmations, great. You didn't need to, you don't need to meditate. Just take deep breaths. Right. I fell back into myself and I got up and I turned the car back on and turned my blinker on and got on the four or five and had a great dinner in North Hollywood. So, so we all have that on axis. We just, we get caught up in the noise and it's understandable, but also self-compassion and self is, is so important. And I know that sounds like an Instagram mem cliche, but self-compassion when, you know, someone's mad at you and you say something wrong, it has nothing to do with you 100% of the time. It's never personal. And especially for someone with ADHD, we, for me, I can be impulsive sometimes. I could say like something that's really not appropriate, but just a little bit off, <laughs> off color. And they're either going to see like, oh, he means well. But he says something silly. I used to have a lot of shame around that. And I think that self-compassion is so important too, because the people that I know that have brains very similar to us, we tend to give that out frequently, Mm -hmm. right? If someone says something and it's not right or appropriate, or if it's hurtful, I 
tend to roll with it, forgive them. I'm a very forgiving person in general, but yet why if a stranger who cuts me off and I think, if this is the worst thing that happens to me today, it's going to be a good day, right? Like they may be in a hurry because someone's sick. I have those thoughts instead of getting really angry. I forgive them without needing, like without them asking, or they may just be a jerk who knows. But yet when I'm the person who does something wrong, I don't forgive myself in the same manner. Mm. And self-compassion is so important because what we give to our families, our friends, even strangers Why do we not deserve that from ourselves? Y'all, if you like the show, please consider joining the Neurodivergent Nurse Podcast Patreon. It shows how much you care, and it allows me to continue to produce these episodes week after week. Plus, you get some awesome bonus episodes and some pretty great fan mail from time to time as a thank you. And please please rate and review. The more reviews, the more attention, and that increases the likelihood that other people who struggle with neurodivergency will be reached. If you're interested in joining the Patreon, go to patreon.com slash the neurodivergent nurse. Yeah. And that's, that's so true. And that's puzzled me because I'm exactly the same way. Like little things, like I'm not perfect. I'm not a saint. I have my foible, like all of us, but I do give a lot. When I was younger, um, I would give to compensate for all the, all the things I thought I messed up. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yep. Like the example I just mentioned about being impulsive. I would give and give because I felt like I had to in order to be accepted. People liked me. They, you know, they, they liked me, a pretty boy, whatever. They liked, they liked Sam, but I was afraid if they got to know the real Sam, the obsessive, the ADHD, the neurotic, the anxious, the forgetful, the impulsive, the, the, I get lost in parking lots almost every day. I lose my keys five times a day. I can't find my phone. When I was 12, I lost my retainer. I drove my parents crazy. It was like, you know, they had to take out a loan probably because pay for all the retainers I lost. I felt so ashamed. And then on top of it, the teachers, God bless their souls. We say in the South, right? Bless our heart. Um, <laughs> and now that actually it means it, it's a double. It, yeah, it's not a nice, it's not a nice no. thing to say. To okay. People. Innocently, <laughs> innocently. It's like, forget about it. Right. Yeah. Innocently, innocently. Cause they, they do mean well, 99.9% teachers are amazing. They're doing a good work. Like your, your husband, just like every psychologist out there, 99.9% of psychologists, therapists are incredible human beings that are selfless. They just been taught the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Truth. That's a spiritual truth. That's a truth, truth. Graduate school programs, GREs, their practicums, especially for you know marriage and family therapists that have to do their 3,000 hours. It's like, whoa, that is a rigid structure. Like CPT codes. I get it. You got to get paid. You got to make a living. You got to eat. Got it. Get it good. But become a coach. You can do all those things and make a great living and are help you, people. Uh, with coaching, are you taking on new clients? Um, yes. I'm kind of all filled up now, but within the next couple of months, for sure. It's interesting. I have clients that are therapists. <laughs> it's weird. One time I had a, a referral from a veterinarian who's treating my future client's dog. It's like, it was very fun. It was fun. It was cute. It was very cute. But I, you know, once I really saw like suffering's optional, mm-hmm. but I don't need to be afraid of suffering. 
because it's all it's all an illusion. There was this great experiment. I'm, I don't know, and I'm jumping around. This I'd love to share this real quick. Please there's do. An ex, there was an experiment done. I don't know how many years ago, about ten years ago. There was a, a lot of research done on, on on phobias. I think it was there was a big there was a time in the mid '90s. I don't know why, or but there was a lot of research done on phobias, and there was a a study done. And I'm paraphrasing, of course, because I might make, I don't want to get it all wrong. Where there's like 30 or 40 participants that all had arachnophobia, not the movie, but the fear of, of, of spiders, right? For whatever reason, made no sense. Maybe they got bitten, traumatic event, doesn't matter. And the researchers, scientists, whatever you want to call them, brought 30 or 40 of these participants in this gymnasium. And they were all wearing, they were very official wearing white lab coats. You know, they had the, the, you know, the, the clipboard and the glasses, the whole nine. And they get them all together in the gymnasium and they bring this huge box out with holes in it and they place it down in the middle of the gymnasium and then all this all the participants are looking at like what the heck is that what's going on and the researcher announces ladies and gentlemen in this box we have here 30 black widow spiders and then all of a sudden the freaking room goes bonkers people are like running like there's a fire in the building right screaming they're scared shitless and then he opens the box and there's nothing in it. I just described how the brain works right there. Now, the brain's great when you're being chased by a, a guy with a knife or you're being chased by a, a black bear or a California mountain lion. Yeah, thank God the brain, <laughs> that's, the brain's working as it should under, that's under emergency operating conditions. The emergency alert system in the brain is doing exactly as it should. However, there's a lot of um, false alarms there. 90 percent or more of those of what we experience the anxiety the the fight or flight when we're scared is all false alarms that's incredible what a great way to look at that too i I remember my mom used to say i didn't want to to make a phone call to fix a price that was wrong on a bill and she would say jamie i don't know why you're so terrified i would have her call and pretend to be me and give my information to take (laughs) care of it yeah and she would say they can't hurt you through the phone. They cannot physically cause you any pain. Why are you so afraid of this? Like, what, what do we have to work through so that this fear, because it's not really warranted. And yeah, I mean, I still see things like that in my everyday life as well. I do too. And I, and I, I think it is because our brains working so fast. It's like already won the race. And we're sitting here in a chair, like we haven't even started yet mm-hmm. making calls, fixing the bill. It's exhausting. But then, but then we remember who we are and, and we drop into the present moment, just like clockwork. You know, I, I look at, you know, the, the brain again, is that if you have ADHD or any kind of whatever you want to call it, peanut butter and jelly, ADHD, you have, you know, for me, it was ADHD and I have sensory sensitivities to noise and to, into light. Some people just have you know, inattention. Have, it, it's again, one person's ADHD is, is different than the other, but we all have some commonalities, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that again, when we can be less scared of our experience of that happening, if we can just be noticed, like I'm, I still do that with making phone calls and I don't know why it's like, what am I scared of? Were they going to yell at me? They're going to hang up at me to this day. I'm an adult and I still do that. Mm-hmm. It's like, and I can't explain it, but then I get curious. I become my own kind of Sherlock Holmes brain. 
what you talking about Willis, you know, like, you know, yeah. what's going on? <laughs> it's tough sometimes, especially when you have a day to do as a nurse, you have a day to do. Like when I was in farmer marketing years and years ago, when I first got out of college, you know, I was like, you know, the Pfizer rep with the, the suit on or the stupid job, but it's, it's, um, it was fun in one of my twenties, I would have to call on doctors. And some days I'd be petrified, even open the door to, to speak to the gatekeeper, you know, the receptionist. I don't know why, what, what am I scared? What are they, they are they going to throw me out of the office? No, they're going to probably like tell me to come back later or they don't see reps. I'm not going to be going against the firing squad, but that's what it feels like. And I just think it's just the brain bouncing around our brains. They bounce around. It's kind of like, you know, the, I think the brain's playing um, racquetball with itself, like pong, you know. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply going around and, and it's it's doing it innocently it's just like a car with a really fast idle you know or a lawnmower with a choke the fuel is um you know it's too rich so it's you know what i mean one of my best friends is a physician here in town and he also has adhd and he has been great because there have been some pretty traumatic things that have happened to me over the past five years or so and my anxiety would build leading up to having to do something and I remember he would come over, bring lunch and say, you know, let's, let's talk about this. And one of the things that he would always say that would kind of bring me back when I'm, I'm worrying so much about how horrible this one thing is going to be coming up. And he would say, Jamie, if you look back 10 years from now, how are you going to view this event? Is it, is it going to cause you physical pain when you look back to it? Probably not. It's just going to be a blip in the memory. It's not even going to be one of the memories that is changing your entire being and realm of your life. And so I try to use that even now too, whenever things are coming up, I'm like, God, I really don't want to do this. This is awful to think, okay, so five days from now, is it going to be awful? No, it's not. Just suck it up, go through it. And it's going to be something I'm not even going to remember probably a week from today. But same thing with dealing with people. You go in there, they're not going to remember me. They're not going to a month from now talk about, do you remember that phone call that one stranger made? <laughs> right. uh, she was so dumb. How dare she? Right. Yeah, no. Right. They're not going to so record why are, it right. Why are we right. going to sit there and think about it and spend all of that time when no one else is going to think about us that way? And it's so innocent, right? Mm -hmm. It's so innocent. And, and that's when we took the bait. We lost the plot. That's, that's when I, when I talk about when we are wrapped around the axle of our thinking, we're caught up in the machinery, innocent, right? Mm -hmm. That's, and that's what the, the understanding points to what I share that, that we are not living in a world. This is the reason why, you know, from a, a machine perspective, from a, a mechanical brain synapsing, you know, neurochemical perspective, if we see the brain as it's going to glitch, it's going to get caught up that it's just wanting to keep you safe and it does some wacky things in the process, then add in the element of the, the layer of that some brains work a little bit faster or too fast for their own good. 
we can then like create a little bit of, of, of space with it. What I mean by that is, is you can still be anxious and have the best day ever. Mm-hmm. You, st- you still can make a phone call, be scared of shit and have the best day ever. Once we see, like, I still, I might have another panic attack driving on the freeway. I'm not going to stop driving. I used to avoid a lot. The, the greatest metaphor is for like, when we think what you just mentioned, which is a wonderful example of, of like, they're not going to remember me like three days from now, they got their own sh- stuff to deal with. And not only that, but like, that's not how it works. But we think quote unquote, it's like, again, we're all one thought away from presence, mental well-being. Once we see that we're not living in the world of our circumstances, we're not living in this, you know, outside, beautiful physical world. I mean, we're living in the matrix, basically. We're living in a world of thought. And when we drop out of thought, we're living in, the, in this beautiful world we live in. That's when we do our best work. We, we don't, again, we don't get the job we want, fall in love, buy the house, pick a fence, create children, et cetera, et cetera, when we're in our heads. We do our best work when we're present. And you know, Terrence McKenna called it the flow state. There's other words for it. When time speeds up or slows down, we just mm-hmm. don't work, you know? Again, we get absorbed. We, we, we lose ourselves. We become no thing, nothing. We just disappear. We, we don't have an ego. We don't have this constant jibber jabber, right? This constant narration going on. I mean, it's amazing. Like everybody should be a screenwriter. Everybody should be a writer because <laughs> we have the greatest screenwriter going on in constant and in real time, jibber jabbering all day long between our ears. The lady in the supermarket line, the, the toll booth operator, holy cow, we all should be writing Academy Award winning uh, melodramas. Because essentially that's what the brain does innocently. But will we make it okay to get caught up and we make it okay to be scared and not being scared of being scared? Because we're not scared of, again, remember the example that I just gave you with the, the, the spider? We're not scared of the spider. We're scared of the experience. And the less, you know, well, people say, well, exposure therapy is the, the protocol for that. No. You, I mean, if you want to go, you know, listen, ladies and gentlemen, don't listen to my words. explore for yourself look for a feel-good feeling you don't have to look too far and if you're you know not where you want to be financially and if you're not where you want to be where you live and if you're not where you want to be with your relationship all i have to say is that you're alive right now and you're listening to this podcast moreover there are people in poverty-stricken areas with nothing have nothing barely have food but they have each other and they're happy. They may be depressed sometimes, but the sum total of them in the moment is happy, right? There was a, I heard a story another po- on another podcast and another three principles coach, brilliant, brilliant gentleman who I love. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I have this thing with, with the UK, but I love, I love the UK. They, they had a guest on, I think it was a member of, I think she was, she worked for an NGO, like a, you know, they have, they have doctors without borders, mm-hmm. nurses without borders. I think she was a nurse or some kind of, she was in the healing profession, something. I forgot exactly what she was. And she talked about living in the Middle East. And I think she was in, I think it was in Israel or Palestine. It might've been the Gaza Strip. And a building was just bombed, right? There was a lot of incursion and war going on between, you know, unfortunately, terrible situation. And amidst all the rubble and chaos and, and death, there's this family, families, plural, helping each other out. Kids, two hours after the, the building was bombed, they lost their apartment, everything they owned. The kids are playing soccer in the street. 
We find the light in the darkness all the time. You don't need the darkness to find the light because that's your default setting. That's who you are. And if people that have nothing can see their well-being in the midst of the calamity around them, then we can find it when we're driving to work, even if we didn't get enough sleep. I always used to think, and this is part of my, you know, the obsessive part of the ADHD cocktail is if I didn't get enough sleep, I'd have the worst day ever. Have you ever had, I mean- I no. mean, I don't ever get enough sleep. I always okay, sleep so about you're, you're four, always... four and a half hours. Okay. Well, if I don't get enough sleep, this is the, I condition myself to believe. And of course you kind of told this, if you don't get enough sleep. You're going to be cranky. You're not going to have a good day. You're not going to remember things. You're going to mess up. Some of that might be true. If you don't get enough sleep for like, you know, if it's a constant thing, sometimes you don't need enough. You don't need it. Everyone's different. Some people need four hours of sleep and they work fine. For me, I need sleep or I'm a basket case. I would say to myself, you can have the, the most awful day. And then I would beat myself up for not getting to sleep because I would get distracted and I would, you know, ADHD, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, watching YouTube videos and talking to friends and, and procrastinating and stuff. So when I stop believing that story, that my, the narrative, the nonsense narrative, I'll still be okay amidst all that thinking around sleep and stop being a problem. Nothing's a problem, even if it feels like it. We think we can't survive something until we do. All of us are like brilliant, brilliantly resilient. If my uncle until his dying day up to the last day was still hopeful, you know, we can still have hope until the end. And and ladies and gentlemen, it's okay to be scared and anxious and caught up and don't be scared of that experience, but knowing have some hope that that's going to move through you. Personally, I don't believe any behavioral therapy works for people personally. Again, ladies and gentlemen, don't listen to what I'm saying. Discover that for yourself. But because of the fact that you can't change what's broken, because none of y'all are broken. You just think you are in italics, period, hard stop. And once you see that, that you can't stop thought, you can't change thought, but we're told you can like, like CBT, for example. And again, I have nothing against cognitive behavioral therapy that works for you. Then wonderful. Kesarasara, you know, pulling all those levers of, of changing the thought and replacing the thought and, and being, so, you know, the pushy, 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 pushy is adding a layer that doesn't need to be there because we naturally have agency and understanding through our brain naturally setting, uh, settling on its own. And cognitive behavioral therapy, I'm willing to bet the bank, willing to bet, I'll, I'll Venmo anybody $1,000 right now in two years or a year and a half you're going to return right back to where you were innocently, not because there's something wrong with you or because you didn't do it right. It's because it's too much work. You're trying to force something, pull these levers, and you're actually, what you're doing is you're getting back up into your head more by trying to change something, right? Like Malcolm Gladwell, you know, he said like you need 10,000 hours of, what did he say? 10,000 hours to perfect something. Like you need 10,000 hours to be the perfect nerd, whatever it is. That doesn't apply to this. Because you can't change something that is brilliantly and perfectly created for you. You can look at it from a different way. You can be more conscious of the thoughts that are moving through you. But if you prevent that thought from moving through you, remember it's energy and you're not your thoughts. You have to let it move through you. Just in Chinese medicine, when there's a stuck energy and they can put acupuncture points and they let that energy move through, it's the same thing. But when we try to control and change how our thinking works and, and our behavior and thought stopping techniques and affirmations is exhausting. And again, if that works for you, then wonderful. But from where I'm sitting right now, 
it's overkill. To pull all these levers of to try to change, you know, thought and replace stuff and make things thought different and and we're missing it, folks. We've lost the plot there, folks. I sent you, there was a a podcast that I listened to that when you were talking about this, it reminded me of, it's a good life project. This person did one in 2019 about this woman who, it was about love and lunch on Skid Row. And one of the Mm. things that she said stuck with me. She talked about how, of course, the people who are living on Skid Row, who are homeless, they don't have food. They don't have downtown LA. You're talking about downtown LA. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. okay, And so she was just saying that, you know, she would take them lunch and, and get to know them. Mm. And she just talked about how well they suffer that we who are living in our, our home or our apartment, or we have a car to drive, or we, the things that we suffer with, we don't suffer well, but those Mm. people who are homeless, they have so much joy and they have so much suffering, but they suffer really well. Their mindset is completely different than ours, who we have much more than them. Just reminded me of what you were saying. That was a Yeah. And I, I love what you said there, because it really is all about seeing, you know, the gift of who you are, like seeing like you're going to suffer, like <laughs> that's a contact sport, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. We're going to get beat up sometimes, but not being afraid of suffering. No one likes to suffer. I mean, obviously, you know, we can go into, <laughs> we can go into Dostoevsky and go really deep and talk about suffering. Right. Um, but that we won't do that because I don't want you to lose <laughs> listeners, <laughs> but it's so true. Like the, we need to see really you're making it all up, ladies and gentlemen, like imagine if you walked around Skid Row, right. And you didn't have the narrator blabbing, you know, jibber jabbering. It'd all be neutral. Yeah. I mean, no one likes to be homeless. Obviously it's not the safest thing, but like you walk around Skid Row and you didn't have a judgment or anything. You would see well-being in every single one of those people that you run into or even in daily life. Like, you don't see, because we live in a world of thought and, and thought is a technology that we innocently misuse because of the fact that we've been conditioned in a certain, such a way and, and our brains have been conditioned in a certain way that it's become really difficult sometimes to really see what I'm pointing to. But it also is for me too, because I forget sometimes. Mm-hmm. You don't need to beat yourself up for being human, but we do when we mess up. And that's why it's like, Oh my God, as long as you don't hurt people and you do no harm, you're going to make mistakes. And if a homeless person on Skid Row, which uh, have you been down there? Have you no. Nope. Um, okay. It's, it's nothing you've ever seen before. It, everything they say about it is true. And then multiply it by like three. It's, it's a, like another world. It's pretty terrible, but there's something about that place. That's light that it's filled with light mm-hmm. because you have all this humanity there. Just like the example I gave before about the families that were, that were, you know, dealing with the bombed out building and the kids playing soccer and there's still laughter. We don't see the forest and the trees because we're taught that the forest and the trees, you, you have to look at it from a certain angle. You know, you have to earn it in a certain way. You have to see it from this place. You have to get there by doing this, but the forest and the trees have always been there and that's our well-being our true North. And when we see like, you're going to forget and being okay with forgetting, then when you remember it's, it's all more powerful in the end. Mm-hmm. 
And, and that's why ADHD is such a blessing. And it's also suffering, <laughs> just like the human experience. And because of that, as hard as it is sometimes for me to have compassion for myself or for my partner to have compassion for me, because I can be really frustrating. <laughs> like I can be really a pain in the ass. I'm, I'm admitting to it. I mean, everyone's a pain in the ass. I mean, we're, you know, living with other human beings is tough sometimes, but for, I think for, and I'm gonna speak for myself, not for you, but just for Sam and the ADHD uh, model here, <laughs> the C3PO ADHD model right here, <laughs> Or is it R2D? No, C3PO. Um, I can be really exhausting, innocently. Not like because I'm being vindictive exhausting. That'd be extra exhausting. It wouldn't, go, wouldn't turn out too well because I sometimes forget and it sucks. But I know that self-pity is dark and, and uncomfortable is, is what we've been talking about when we were caught up in the, the depressing forest, right? So I know that I'm gonna, I'm gonna forget to have a pity party once in a while, like the other day. Oh my God. Oh, you got to hear the story. I was flying out back East and it was really, really early in the morning. As I mentioned, my brain's completely shut down between the hours of like, you know, 1130 PM to like 730. So I had to catch a plane. I'm pretty sure you know how the story's going to go. I had to catch a plane from Santa Barbara to fly back East, a long flight. I was going for a, a while. So I had to pack two big suitcases and, and then I had my podcast gear and my computer and stuff. And I called the Uber. It was like four o'clock in the morning. My flight was at six ten. and very nice guy. I get in the Uber. It's, it's still dark out. And we're driving on the freeway. We get to the airport, which is like 25 minutes away and I'm getting out of the car. And I forget one of the bags at home. It's hard enough to get an Uber these days. I don't know. And, and where you are, but in Santa Barbara, you know, because of COVID, they've been impacted by it. So there's not, a, not especially at four in the morning, not many Uber drivers in a small coastal town in California. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my God. And the tickets are not refunded. My, my brain's going tilt at this point. And I'm exhausted and I'm overstimulated. And I, I can't vocalize because my brain is going so fast to the poor Uber driver. You know, I'm like the worst possible customer. And I said to him, my pack is back in Santa Barbara. Thankfully, it's only 25 minutes and I would, had enough time, but I started to beat myself up like, like the worst in a long time. And I said to him, I just said, honestly, listen, I forgot my bag and, you know, could we possibly get back to my house? I'll pay whatever. You know, I just had an ADHD moment and his ears perked up. He's like, oh yeah, my, my wife has ADHD and I, and she, you know, it's, it's been a really rough go for her, but you know, I still love her. And we went back and get my bag and it was the best, best ride back ever. It's, it's okay to like disclose like your foibles. And if they don't understand you, ladies and gentlemen, if you tell people like, yeah, I have ADHD and I forget shit sometimes. And, you know, I impulsive, I talk too much or, you know, I get overwhelmed and, and sometimes I, I do stuff that's out of character. If they don't understand, then they're not your tribe. Absolutely. Find, find your tribe, ladies and gentlemen. And on top of it, especially at work too, we all need a paycheck. We all need to make a living. We all need to eat. But if you're in a work environment that's toxic and they're not understanding of accommodating, you know, there's, I think it's the American with Disabilities Act that passed in the seventies that talks about not every business is going to be understanding 
it is what it is, but you'll find that job that you'll find your tribe. You'll find that job that will love you and see your skills and abilities for what they are and overlook your ADHD. And you are valuable enough to put that time into finding a place that does welcome who you are as a person too. You, you aren't someone that is difficult for people to work with. You know, I mean, you may be, but realistically we think those things on a much greater scale than other people. But if someone is making you feel that way in your job, there are jobs that are perfect for you with people who are perfect for you, because you're not the only person in the world with ADHD. You're going to find somewhere where someone understands that, or they think that you're phenomenal (laughs) because of the, the superpowers that you have and the way that you think that they don't and the asset that you are instead of the liability that other people make you feel at your current employment. But that's why you're such a a brilliant nurse too, because of the fact that you've used the ADHD superpower in such a way (laughs) you've, you've harnessed that. But again, on the other side of that coin, there's the, you know, what we've been talking about, you know, it's, it's, but that's it. But everybody's got something, ladies and gentlemen. And I think that once you see your resilience, when you kind of see what I'm pointing to with these principles that I've been sharing and we've been talking about, you'll have more compassion for yourself. I have, I've developed a real sense of humor with my ADHD. Like I laugh at my, at my shit all the time. It's like, what? I mean, how, how do you possibly do that? It's so stupid. It's hysterical. Sam, before I was diagnosed yeah. and started on medication, yeah. medication has completely changed my life. It's <laughs> so wonderful. Never leave for home me. without it. <laughs> oh, oh, but yeah. I used to laugh as a nurse, nurse who worked in neuro ICU. I was a travel nurse. I was charged nurse. I did a lot of very important things inside of a hospital, but I would do the dumbest things. (laughs) And I would think to myself, they trust me to keep others alive. And yet I can't walk five steps without making this super dumb mistake over here that no one else does. I thought I must've thought that several times a week. Because of your superpowers and, and your ability to multitask and being empathic and the speedy brain, the Mary Andretti brain that wins all these races you know, I always say like, I'm either a rock star, I'm a fucking basketball player. <laughs> yeah. It's not, there's no, there's no middle ground, ladies and gentlemen. Nope. I'm either like, you know, uh, Michael, what's his name? Beckham, I'm playing soccer or pff, I'm a bad news bear. And and I have a friend, I thought my ADHD was hysterical and, and also exhausting. He's second level. He's also extraordinarily brilliant. He's made a lot of money doing PPE stuff. I, he, he's a mm. salesman, but he's made so much money and like- the things that he does, stuff is so dumb. Even at the gas station. Oh my God, he's ripped off, you know, the <laughs> so many times. I mean, I was with him once before they had that system built in where it would shut down the, the, the gas. Some of it sometimes can be a little, you know, dangerous, but but for the most part, if you can laugh at your if you can laugh at your frailties, especially ADHD, it's a laugh riot sometimes. I heard a therapist once say, "You have no control over it. It's executive processing, prefrontal cortex." I'm like, "No, you do, because it, again, and you might disagree with me, ladies and gentlemen. Again, do your own discovery work. It's thought. It's thought. Where does thought come from? Right? Right? You're not your thinking. Yeah, you might take the bait. You might get impulsive. You might 
do a silly ADHD um, maneuver, I call it. But for the most part, you do have some agency for it. So it's not like you're not completely left off the hook. Getting back to this, this psychologist, it's like saying, yeah, um, you have no control. And it's what bothers me. Again, I'm getting on my bully pulpit, if you want to briefly share it, because I don't want to focus too much on this. When therapists, and the reason why I got so angry at, at the, the mental health industry in this country, especially, other, other countries are a lot more advanced than we are. We're still still in the dark ages, even though pharmacology-wise, we're pretty brilliant. Psychostimulants have saved me. Everything is focused on impairment, on executive functioning. I remember when therapists laying this all out on me, and I was still in college. I didn't take abnormal psych yet, so I didn't know what the hell she was talking about. And I said, so you're saying I'm broken, right? She's like, no, 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 no. There's nothing wrong with you. I'm like, what you just said that this is doing this wrong and, and this is doing this wrong. I so, and then she's like, these are the treatments. But, but then I said to her again, I said, wait a second. You just said there's nothing wrong with me. <laughs> and these are the symptoms. Well, you know, when I get a cold, yeah, I have a cold, but it goes away. Like um, if there's nothing wrong with me, then why we call it, why are we treating it? Why are there symptoms? Why are we focusing on how broken we are? It's all semantics too. I get it especially when we are so sensitive to begin with. Mm -hmm. I'm a man and I'm like, God, it sucks sometimes. I'm an alpha man, but then I get really, you know, and it's like for stuff that's stupid. Why? And it comes down to it. It's just my brain works differently. But, you know, for those of you out there that are really confused about ADHD or whatever it is, follow your own wisdom regarding it. We all have this thing called intuition. It's so powerful. And it's what got you to becoming a brilliant nurse and a podcaster, right? You met your husband through your intuition, through you, not through your ADHD-ness. Although I'm, you know, game day is a lot of fun, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> like, we're fun. We're fun. We're, we're also great to be around. We're really like, we're a bright light, but you know, we're technicolor, right? Mm -hmm. ADHD people are technicolor. Ladies and gentlemen, if you don't have ADHD, and you have friends or your loved one has ADHD, if you can focus more on the technicolor, focus more on what you like about their superpowers. And when, <laughs> when, when our frailties come out, when our hard drive crashes, when our computer screen's frozen, I'm talking about proverbially, try to have more compassion. As hard as that sounds sometimes, because we can do some stupid mm -hmm. shit sometimes. Have compassion because that's not who we are. It's not who we are. I'm loving what you're saying about yes. that. We aren't just a makeup of all of the negatives. I mean, there are negatives that are part of all of us, but the part that shines through are the great qualities, are the great compassion that we have for others, the, the quick thinking, the outside of the box, the ones who in the pressure of the fight or flight, we're going to fight just because mm -hmm. our brain works fast enough for survival for us in all different areas. I just love that so much. I do too. Where did I read this? I probably didn't read it. It was probably on a YouTube video at two o'clock in the morning because ADHD. Um, the ADHD mind was very, very, very effective during when we were hunter-gatherers because we protected our flock better. Like I read we were, that too. Where did I, I see that? I don't know. Probably the same YouTube video you saw <laughs> at two o'clock in the morning. Because I'm like, that is, I, that makes sense. It makes so totally much makes sense. sense. But because we're not in 
the Paleolithic era, we're in 2021, that system, that emergency alert system, would you say is on a lot? I mean, uh, not, not full, full Monty, you know, right? Most it's not definitely. Yeah. I would say that. And that's why we're so exhausted. Cause I don't want to be, I don't want to be a burden on someone because I'm tired. Like, and they look at me like, what's wrong with you? You're healthy. You're, you know, you're young, you're blah, blah, blah. And you work out. And then I feel bad for being tired. I feel bad for being exhausted to no fault of my own. And I remember growing up, that was really difficult because I would get so tired for no reason, not even as a teenager, because teenagers are growing and they get tired and so they need to rest. But I'm talking even when I was a little, little kid, even in, and in college, I mean, I would just be tired. I'm like, what? People are like, you're lazy, you're entitled, you're spoiled. You're not walking uphill in snow, going mm-hmm. to work every day. You know, it's like, if you've heard it all and that's where it gets kind of sticky, that's where for, especially for people that are, that are not diagnosed or, or in situations where, they don't have the resources to get some help. And, and that's what breaks my heart, you know. But I mean, while I think that it is important to utilize all the resources that you can, especially with ADHD, because again, since I started taking medication, even my social anxiety has decreased mm. so much. <laughs> I, I don't have the same thoughts that I used to have all the time. The worry that I would have with interacting with people always, I would go home and I would have nightmares about forgetting to do things at work, or I, I don't know, <laughs> those things have subsided, Damn. but do you know, what not- was a game changer for me though. What medication wise? What? And again, I, so I look at Medication is a software update. It's a pa- software patch. Like, oh yeah. How many yeah. times is your window? Has, if you have, that's why I have a MacBook because the iOS is so much better. But remember when you had Windows ninety five? I mean, I'm going, I'm aging myself. When you, had, <laughs> when you had Windows, the thing would crash like every day. It'd freeze up. There'd be some kind of error. Well, the Ritalin or whatever psychostimulant you're taking is like that software update. But what was really a game changer for me was Wellbutrin. Oh, low dose Wellbutrin. It's it's changed everything again. Software update. Training wheel. I call it training wheels until you don't need it. Maybe you don't need it when you get old. Who knows? I don't know. When I don't take mine, I've forgotten to take it one time mm. and I had to work the next day because I thought taking it the next day would be, I would be back to my new normal. Yeah. I think I clocked out three different times on the way out to my car. I mean, it was just the, the same dumb things that I would do. I started making those dumb mistakes all over again. And I was like, is this what it really felt like for the last 36 years of my life? I forgot as you were talking about how the brain forgets things. I completely forgot what life was like pre-diagnosis, pre-medication. And that one day was enough for me not to want to take a medication holiday, which a lot of people do not for me. Mm -mm. I I tried that. I'll do it occasionally. And that's if I'm really not, you know, I like to be productive. I like to be productive. So yeah, I, I, I take the wall, the wall I take every day, but it's been a game changer. I mean, I've been taking psychostimulants in one form or the other for over 20 years. Uh, very low dose. I mean, like mm-hmm. not even 20 milligrams of methylphenidate, which is, I guess that's low. Dose. I think that's pretty low dose. BID, yeah, mostly just BID if that less is better for me. I don't know. Some people like more, if, everyone's brain is different. And again, I don't want to get on my bully pulpit because that's not why, why I'm here sharing this with you and vice versa is there's still, I don't know what it's like in the South. I mean, California is, they're pretty cool with 
most drugs now. I mean, it's California. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Besides the psychedelics, they're pretty liberal. And of course, heroin, whatever. Anyways, the bad stuff. But I remember like getting the third degree, like pulling teeth just to get a refill. They've loosened because of COVID. I'm actually like working with a nurse. I'm working not a psychiatrist because I've just, I'm, I'm done. And again, there's some great psychiatrists out there. Love them. But the ones that I've had contact with, there was one that was wonderful, but he retired, unfortunately. So I'm working with a nurse and she's in Sacramento and I'm in Santa Barbara. And it's a game changer for me because before I felt like a criminal trying to get a refill. Mm-hmm. Do you really think that I want, like, I don't want to take this stuff. I don't want to take, I mean, and it costs money on top of it. Like, do I look at this as a, I'm a model of drug seeking behavior. And like, I've been taking this at 20 years. It's like in your system, like still it happens and you have to just have compassion for them. For me, it's been a real lesson in patience. And there've been some, t- some days where I can't get it. I don't know if you had that experience in the mm-hmm. South, but Maybe a lot more people with ADHD in California, probably. <laughs> or the, yeah, there's not a whole lot here. So the medications are available. Who knows? Essentially, underneath the mechanical piece of ADHD, the truth of who and what we are is none of that. That's just noise. And once we see that we point to our well-being, to our calm, to, to our presence every single day, that I get, we are in a walking meditation, that all that is on offer, you know, and, and there's a one wonderful coach named Michael Neal who calls it the space before thought that we're in this meditative state that we experience well-being all day long. We just don't pay attention to it enough. Mm-hmm. If we slow down to the speed of life, even with ADHD, it's possible. <laughs> You're going to see yourself in bright, technicolor, delicious well-being versus the thinking that you have about yourself and, and your life and your circumstances and the, all that stuff. And I think that's really the secret sauce. And the more we drop into the present moment, more we, more we see what, how powerful this, as Eckhart Tolle says, the power of now is without having to meditate. I mean, if you met meditation is great. You have the time to do it. Great. Without how you see it all day long. And I can give you an example, but y'all do it every day sitting in your car, listening to a piece of music you love, talking to your husband and you're just laughing and time speeds up or slows down, playing with your dog or cat, seeing your kids in, this, in, in the light. It's like seeing them for the first time. And it just, you know, you lose yourself. That's divinity. That's, that's nirvana. That's enlightenment. We think we need to go to Kathmandu or India to, to, to reach enlightenment, but it's, in with all, it's within all of us. You know, the challenge is, is that we're all enlightened. So what do we do with that? When we get present, our ego dissolves. When we get present, we dissolve into no thing. And that for me was enough to see. There's a lot more to our existence on this planet than what we see with our eyes and what we experience in this world of thought. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Yeah. And thank you for being on this podcast and taking time out of your day twice for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was my fault too. We- <laughs> it, just, it worked out perfectly. It was supposed to happen this way. And, and I'm just, I love your podcast. I love what you're doing and just keep doing it. Don't stop because it's so important because it gives I, a lot of people hope. It gives a lot of people hope. 
really Yours does. is one at the top of my queue on, I have an hour and a half commute to work one way. So oh, I really enjoy you in my mornings on the way to work. Oh, thank you. Exactly. Can you tell everyone the name of your podcast, your book, and how they can find you, including how they can find you if maybe they want to sign up to get you as a coach whenever you have mm-hmm. an open spot? Sure. The podcast is called The Fearless Now, and you can find it on Apple or Spotify or your favorite podcast platform. I prefer Apple because for some reason, the algorithm, I don't know, something called an algorithm is doing something out there in the ether. And my book is coming out, God willing, knocking on whatever plastic that is, um, called Fearless. And uh, if you're interested in, in setting up a discovery call, I am, you know, I am, I try to limit the amount of clients because I'm all over the place. You know, I, I have to have some, some self-care, but I, I really want to be of help. I really want to kind of help y'all out there that think that you're struggling and we'll get you all fixed up. It's samledconsulting.com. No spaces, samledconsulting.com. And DM me on Insta. It's samledconsulting, Facebook, samledconsulting, really easy. Again, I'm just honored to be on this, on this podcast. And ladies and gentlemen, if, if I can, be of help to y'all, then great. And one more thing before we end this is that all of you are just one thought away from, from mental health. You just don't know it. And that's hard for a lot of people to hear. What do you mean? Like my, I've been in therapy for 30 years, you know? I've been broken for this long. It's not that simple. Yeah, it is that simple. We, your brain overcomplicates everything. That's a good way to end it, I think. I don't know. I like it. And I'll put all of the links in the show notes, make it a lot easier for people to get to you because I'm sure that they have loved this. Just like I have the time flies by. I could stay and talk to you all day long. Seriously. For sure. Well, we're going to do part two on the fearless now. Yeah. Yeah. Set it up. And we'll do it again after April, whenever your book launches, fingers crossed too. (laughs) Yes. Thank you again. If you would like to contribute to this podcast, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the neurodivergent nurse, where you can get exclusive bonus episode script of the show prior to the release, uncut video interviews of the guest, input on upcoming shows and ideas, and even more. Also, be sure to follow the neurodivergent nurse on Instagram and TikTok. And if you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to share it with someone that you think could also benefit from the neurodivergent nurse. And go ahead while you have time and while you're thinking about it and rate it and leave a review five stars on your favorite listening platform so that other people can find the show easily as well and i hope you have a wonderful week and i can't wait to talk to you again